We are live. Boom. Are we good? We're live. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Oh, welcome back. Oh, man. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Where am I? Where am I? I've lost. I've completely lost my place. <laughs> I had I had a I had a I had, I had a freaking script up. I did. Oh my god, welcome back horror fans to the Week in Horror podcast. The only podcast that's coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> this week we are covering select horror films released January 24th through January 30th. Thank you all so much for joining us. I am JL and with me today are Eugene and Johnny O. What's up everybody? Hey. <laughs> yes, and this is so awesome because this is our first live special guest joining us for our weekly deep dive into everything horror. We have a very special guest tonight. He is the producer of Texas Frightmare Massacre, 13 tracks to frighten Angela Black. And for the past 16 years, he has brought us the greatest horror convention in the entirety of the United States of America, Texas Frightmare Weekend, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Lloyd Cryer. All right. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. That's Thank a pretty you so big much for joining us. Yeah, that's a pretty big uh, intro there. You got big shoes to fill. I'm telling you. <laughs> the greatest the greatest show? one ever. I, I hope I don't screw things up. No pressure at all. Well, I'd say I'd say that the first time we brought so, we brought someone uh, you know, other than the cast live. So it is amazing to finally have a live guest uh here and, and here on the live show so that you know everybody in the audience can interact and ask questions and do cool stuff like that this will be really really neat so i'm so looking forward to this thank you yes lloyd for joining us um we know your schedule is busy but you made some time for us and we we appreciate it so much uh it's my pleasure thank you really awesome awesome so man oh man i well we're gonna we're gonna briefly touch before we jump into before we jump into our selections um today was a good day did you finally like, find those ghosts? No, I did not. <laughs> I did not find any ghosts. Oh my god! You know what? Yeah, I'm just gonna bypass it. I'm gonna see. I want to. Let's see who's in the chat before we jump. Let's see this chat. Uh, Crafty Keela, good to see you. She's one of our uh, illustrious patrons. Uh, good to see you, hon. Uh, she's out in Ireland, or uh, yeah, she's in uh, Dublin, and I know she's probably crashing because it's really late over there. So it's good to see you. Crafty PhD Tony, all the way from Australia. Good to see you, Jessica G. I love your troll, and she's the best troll on the internet, Esby. And, of course, I see many ghosts arriving in the chat to make fun of me. <laughs> Hello, Clive Wells. It's good to see you there. Uh, Chris Dura Music Channel, uh, rocking it, as well as Tina Jones. Good to see you. Uh, Commander Darklight, the man, the myth, the legend himself. Uh, dude, fabricator of all things of all things Batman, Halo, and, of course, uh, Star Wars. Um, does awesome, awesome cosplay stuff. So yeah, Commander Darklight, check his stuff out on Instagram if you get the opportunity. Um, who else we got? Dave N in the house. And we did have a very important question from uh, from Clive Wells. Oh no! Uh oh. All right. So Clive, Clive Wells asks, "What's it like to share a panel with a science denier?" And continuing on. <laughs> uh, Jeff Roberts. Jeff Roberts, good to see you, sir. Charlie Welch, also good to see you. And the George said, hey, you fuckers. Good to see you, boss. And I think that is oh, that is who we have in the chat right now. Uh, oh, and Armageddon's Fire. Hey, he just friended me on Facebook. Uh, good, day, uh, good day to you, sir. So, man, an excellent, excellent, beautiful host of people we have here in the live chat. And I, JL, being a fanboy. I am such a fanboy. I'm a huge fanboy. I cannot tell you 
what it took for me to muster up the courage to message Lloyd because contacting cele- contacting celebrities, contacting especially industry people is so kind of like, uh, I get so nervous because they're going to be like, who the fuck are you? You're like, why would I talk to you at all? And I always, I get that terror that, that paralyzing fear is like, who is this dude? who's calling like, when we, like when I contact, uh, actually it was, uh, I contacted Richard Oaks about possibly being on the show because his, his movie, uh, host just, uh, saw its UK release and I was so nervous as hell, but he, you know, it was obviously, it was very cool. Richard came on, Adam came on. Um, and then I was like, oh, this is so sweet. I, I kind of got past it. Then all of a sudden, Neil Ward, the star of that movie, he contacts us out of the blue and is like, oh, I want to be in your show, too. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> See, I, all you got to do is ask. The worst thing you can say I, is yeah, exactly. fuck off. This is well, that's usually the response I get when I inter- introduce myself. My name's Lloyd Cryer. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> when you reach a certain status, that's just how, like, you just, that's how you talk to people. That, there you go. There yep. you go. <laughs> oh, but I'm getting I'm getting better. I'm getting better at it. And I will uh eventually I will contact the people that people keep you know, people keep saying, you need to contact this person, contact this person. And I'm like, sure, I'll just write them out of the out of the blue. Hey, you want to be on my show? And they're like, Who the fuck are you? Like, that's that's how you have to do it. That's how yeah. I get guests at Texas Frightmare Weekend. I just See? write them out of the blue, and if they don't respond, I just keep emailing them. Nice. At, at least until I get a cease and desist or they reply. Or <laughs> if you want these emails to stop, come and talk to Frightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I can just see that. Like Rob Zombie's like, why do you keep writing me letters? Um, <laughs> honestly, I'm sure Rob Zombie is sick of hearing about me because I, I email the guy and his agent all the time. And they always say no, but that's okay. One day they'll say yes. Exactly. One day. One day. One day. One day. So uh, Jessica says, for those of you. Charles is in the house. He says science is for hippies. Yep. Uh, Jessica is uh, the co-host on Frightmare HQ. Very cool. Really? What's up, Charles? Howdy. Awesome. Good to have you. Uh, First timer timer in uh, Weekend Horror. I appreciate you stopping by. All right, man. We got some fantastic things to get to. And I know people want to dive in because uh, this is a, a horror movie podcast. So let's fucking nerd out. All right. Before we get there, though, Jessica says, for those of you that are new, on the top left is Egon Spangler. Top right is Eugene. Bottom right is Johnny O. And special guest, Lloyd Cryer. <laughs> I feel like you need like a nameplate to come up or something like that. Like, oh, you know what? I, I should have done that. I should. I, you know, thanks. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. That's all I'm going to say. Jessica, Jesus, when JL introduces himself, he does it by stating that ghosts are real and math is crap. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal, man. They're brutal. They are. And hello, 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 Kolchak Pertwee. You came just in time. We are about to jump. Hello for, uh, for, uh, to the UK. And uh, you jumped in just in time because we are about to do our dive. Yes. And so, uh, Johnny, what do we have up first, good sir? First film we have is 2003 Darkness Falls. It's a supernatural horror film written by Joe Harris and John Fasano, directed by Jonathan uh, I can't read that word. <laughs> just, leave, just try to sound it out like I always do. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's pull Eugene. Leibisimunimamanima. Uh, no, it's Liebsman. <laughs> Film stars Cheney Klee and Emma Caulfield. Or Caulfield. Golly, I need new glasses. All right. So we have these two people who witness uh, somebody's murder, his mother's murder. Uh, Clay witnesses his mother's murder at the hands of a spirit of a woman lynched by an angry mob more than 150 years ago. And as you can imagine, ghosts are real. 
Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so bad things happen. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, this movie was a bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, there you are. Well, uh, okay. So I know I uh, th- th- this was I know that this was 2003. This was yeah, 2003 that this came out. So early 2000 supernatural film. And oh man, 2003. Uh, I I remember I was doing press for uh, for Texas Frightmare Weekend. I knew I I know that uh, this had to have come up. I know you've you've seen this, uh, Lloyd. You probably remember you know, the, the uh huh. Honestly, this movie was something that I I hadn't seen, and uh, when I saw it pop on the list, I said I've got to check this out. So I did I did watch it. I go back. I went back and I checked it out, and uh, I don't know. I just thought it was it was pretty messy, don't you think? I mean, yeah. It, the, yeah, the movie just uh, the, when you when you see the plot, you're like, "Wow, this sounds awesome! I want to check this out." But it it didn't work for me. Didn't work. Uh, I also think they missed a great opportunity to rip people's teeth 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 from their mouths. I think it would that would have been awesome if that's what the tooth fairy did was she just took their all their damn teeth. Oh fuck yeah, Corbin Burns yeah. style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The dentist. Mm. The dentist. Yes, thank you very much. I definitely, I definitely feel that darkness falls because when I heard about it, you know, the, the, I dig supernatural horror, not because I believe in ghosts. <laughs> thank you very much, but I really do. But it really, but what struck me is after watching, and I had to watch it a couple times to kind of get my, I guess, get my mind wrapped around it. Was that I think the film in this particular situation worked really good on paper. I think the script probably was really. Uh, really intense, giving you know, in, you know the, the fear that people have of getting their teeth ripped out, and shit like that. And of course, the turning the fairy tale of the of the uh, tooth fairy on its head, and making it into a villain. Um, so taking that concept, but this I think this is one of those situations where it works better on paper than it does in action. I did not Agreed. hear about any kind of weirdness or cockups that happen on set because usually that happens to studio interference. You know, change, you know, uh, vision, complications in your know, vision, stuff like that. Um, but it just didn't nail down the the fear of the dark thing because that that's a real primal thing and should have played a little bit better in this. But I will say there were a couple of shots that I thought were kind of cool. Uh, the use of the use of light, the cinematographer in this, r- kind of hit it because th- there were some good scenes. Like you know, the, there was a long hallway scene. Where the, the light is kind of intermittent through the windows, like, and then she kind of pops up, and you just kind of see her all almost kind of out of focus, kind of like <clears throat> just kind of hanging back there, floating around. Like, there were some cool shots in the in the film, but ultimately, just uh, just didn't quite nail it. Not as much as say a movie like Lights Out did, because yeah. Lights Out was scary as fuck. Yeah, yeah, see, I agree because there were like there were some cool moments. Like you had like where I was like the kids in the bathroom in the very beginning, and the mm. doors open, and you see like the tooth fairy spirit, whatever you want to call it, like on the ceiling, and the camera's like dollying back. I was like, that's a really cool shot. And there, so you have these inner moments and stuff like that, like that's like it. But I think it's a one of the things that kind of went wrong is because you you go to the Legend of the Tooth Fairy and then it's kind of this lights out thing, which typically like a Tooth Fairy and the lights being on or off don't really have like a correlation to each other. It's kind of like if you want to focus on a Tooth Fairy, then just focus on just a Tooth Fairy thing or focus on a lights out thing with some kind of lights mythology. And another one is is the movie relies on cheap jump scares. Where you True. got yeah, it does. Emma Paul sitting in the car and the cat like boo like lands on the hood <laughs> for some 
What fucking cat acts like that? Like really? Just all of the cats. All of the cats act like that. Horror movie you know cats. this. Horror movie cats. Exactly. And, and then. The the story becomes predictable because like halfway through the movie, I'm like, I saw this in theaters when it came out. I was like, I bet you at some point powers gonna go out in the town. Powers yes. gonna go out, just absolutely. And then lights go off, and we're in the theater, we're like, ah. <laughs> there were a lot of way too convenient things that happened in that movie. Yes, like yes. what you're talking about. It, I, w- I will say, I will say the wood scene was actually kind of inspired. I thought that was kind of neat because and because that had hallmarks of other horror films. That was another thing that I think was a little too a little too on the nose for the film is that it took a lot from other from more successful films and I think those they felt uh, somewhat shoehorned in but at least they did them well. I thought the the wood scene when she's picking you know uh, when she's picking off all the cops. Yeah. I thought that one was actually kind of neat. Just dropping down and just or it was it was it was the the police and the hunters and she just dropping down and just grabbing people and taking them out of nowhere. I that's kind of freaky to me. I I I think cuz you know, it's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> like that yeah, that's kind of why I'm I'm uh-huh. split on this movie because it was it had so much going for it, but then it just seemed to kind of, you know, falter, kind of fizzle out, especially in yeah, the third yeah, act. yeah. It did when they're doing the stairwell jumping, and it had like the floodlight on like one, and it turned into like a platform game because they're like, okay, we have to jump at the same time, and she can only grab one of us. Well, fuck, I'll wait for them to jump first. Like she's busy taking somebody, then I'm gonna jump. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like the, the floor, it's like, another version of the floor is lava. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know that um, you know that it was either Joe Harris or James Vanderbilt or John Fasano that while they were writing this, it just played Pitfall and were like, oh, this would be so great, or Prince of Persia or something like this. We got to make these big jumps go with it, and then and then the light could go out in the middle and, and snatch somebody. That'll look really really good. So I, it kind of felt like a video game yes, adaptation, like you're saying, <laughs> yeah. you know. Let's see. And the George and the George says, "I can see you, bitch." That was really corny as hell, and it was kind of corny. Oh, <laughs> uh, but ultimately, I think the there was. I mean, it's it was a shame to see because. And number one, I thought the movie poster was really uninspired. They could have done better on that. It was really. It was just a cheap Photoshop job. Um, but the film fell into a lot of missteps that, that horror movies of this ilk, especially in the early two thousands fell into Um, just very, just classic missteps that kind of just drove everything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you had such a cool premise that they could have played with and they, it's, it's frustrating because it's like there are dabs of it. It's not just a bad movie all the way through. Like there's moments where it's like these gems, like, man, it's really good. That's really good. And I was thinking about um like another film like it, Independence Day Resurgence. Okay. Where it has the it tells you, it pitches you a movie inside of that movie that would have been better. Yes. But totally. we got that instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and it's hard to say because I mean you can tell. I mean, the premise is obviously good. the The film, the film was shot on a budget of eleven million, and it banked forty seven point five. So, it it was a success. It, I mean, not the greatest success it could possibly be, but it was a success. But it obviously dropped off very quickly. Like that once people got a taste of it, they're like, "Oh, this could have been something else." I wonder what the original idea was because one thing that really that, that has bugged me that uh, since I've got since we started doing this podcast, I've discovered that there are a lot of movies out there that the versions that we get theatrically or and even for home release are not the versions that were intended 
right? So the big one of the biggest offenders of that is a movie called Knights of Bad Astem. And uh, E! Entertainment got a hold of that. And that should have been an amazing film. Kurt Russell went on the record saying that he saw the original director's cut of that, what was intended. And that was uh, uh, Joe, I think that was Joe Lynch who directed yeah. that. Joe Lynch, and, yeah. And he said, Kurt Russell said, I saw that. And the, the movie was was hilarious. It was awesome. It was gory. It was, you know, it had its moments. And it was drop dead hysterical. All of the actors in it are so talented. And it was going to be amazing. And then all of a sudden, E! Entertainment got a hold of it, and they just took it to the woodshed. And just what we got was in no way what Lynch intended, which was a shame. And because of the contract agreements, we'll probably never see a director's cut of that film. But we know that one exists. We may never see I I, I, I had a – as a kind of a side note, I was almost tempted to try and do a documentary based upon that. I want to show you – going after the the real version of Knights of Badass. I love that movie so much. But – uh that happens, and, I, and given what we see in this, and all of the really, really strong parts, the parts that obviously sold it as a script, you know, you got to wonder, is there another version of this out there, or is this what the director intended? Like, we didn't hear any bad blood come out of it. It wasn't like there was a huge amount of interference um, between Sony, uh, Revolution, or Columbia, and uh, the filmmakers, so we don't know. But it feels like there's something, it should have been something else. I just got that feeling every time I've watched it. Yeah, I would have loved to see more about the Tooth Fairy, and I think that could be such a creepy premise, you know. But uh, this one just didn't make it for me. Yeah, wasn't there a movie with Tooth Fairy? Another Tooth Fairy movie? Uh, with the Rock? Oh yeah. No, I mean I thought there was like a. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, let's see, what we got here. Uh, PhD Tony uh, says ultimately it's a rash. Just one of the. Oh, let's see. Charlie does says Independence Day two was like Nazi torture. Damn. Wow. Wow. That's, <laughs> wow. That's pretty strong. <laughs> There's one for the movie poster. <laughs> um, and the Jordan says, Darkness Falls feels like a barely watchable U-Bowl movie. You know, honestly. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. I don't know which one is worse. Oh, damn. Oh, just not even going for the slow torture. Going for the straight kill. Just right into it. Keep oh, that up. U-Bowl will uh, challenge you to a boxing match. Hmm? I think he's old now. I don't think he'll fight anybody anymore. You want to bet? I don't. Maybe he will. I, I, he's a restaurateur now. So that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just means he has access to access to more weaponry now. It just means he's got a lot of protein to keep himself, you know, beefed up. You know, my my problem my problem with Juve Bowl. The only problem I had was, wasn't so much that he was a terrible filmmaker. I mean, in the name of the king, how do you assemble that cast? And goes and, and everything goes so impossibly wrong. But it's not just that; it was it was how his cast were treated. It was how the oh the cast and the crew. There were there were just a litany of tales that came out of those sets where people of just like unsafe working conditions, uh, bad planning when it came to stunts, uh, just you know just a whole lot of disorder on the back end. Everything above the line was just was just chaos. And Juve was not very good at holding things together. So things would just happen all of a sudden and everyone would just have to adapt on the fly. And it's just, it's just not good. It's just the very poor planning, all kinds of things. All the actors complained. Of course, they all got their paychecks. Um, but I mean, you got to keep people safe. You got to, you got to take care of your cast and your crew. Yeah. I mean, you're the, you're the lead. You're the, you're the guy holding it together. And I just, that was the only problem I ever really took away from stuff. That, I mean, yes, he's a shitty director and his movies are crap. But um, actually, you know what? Uh, not what was the other one? Rampage was actually kind of decent. 
because it was simple. Guy what? killed everybody. No, don't give don't give you credit for anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I'm a fan of the actor that he chose for that. Um, and it was a pretty simple story. Guy gets mad and kills everybody. It's pretty much all it was. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's 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 just a time wasting killer fun. So. Jessica G says, it's sad to hear that JL doesn't like Yuve Bull. Bull also believes in ghosts. No honor among the paranormal community at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Jessica. Oh, love you so much. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. But um, get, you know, given what we could have had, it's a shame. Maybe one day, I don't know. I mean, we're so far away from it. It's 2003. We probably will never see anything more come of this. Uh, and I... I doubt there's going to be. I, I think there may have been some deleted scenes on the, on, uh, the Blu-ray or DVD release, but other than that, um, I think it was a missed. Yeah, it was definitely a missed opportunity. Uh, you know, there are definitely uh, movies that handled the dark, the kind of primal fear of being in the dark, of not seeing your adversary. There are movies that did it better. Lights Out is a prime example of uh, one that really nailed it. I thought that was good. The, the little short film. Uh, Lloyd, did you ever see the short film that Lights Out was based on? Oh yeah. That that was, and that's uh. such a. And I realized I found out that's such a simple effect. Oh yeah, it's oh, yeah. like super easy to do. Yeah, but it's very, it's very, it's so creepy, man. But, uh, <laughs> and that and that short is fantastic. I I love that short. It was, uh, it was so good, and I, and I was glad the actress in that got to be in the film. She was a security guard at the uh, at the start of the movie. Yeah, you don't get to uh, see that very often. Yeah. And I was, I was kind of, uh, but that one, that one freaked me the shit out. Uh, that was, and then of course you're making the movie. I'm a big fan of Teresa Palmer, um, and it just the uh, the concept of that the light off and you see the light on. So that just that creeped me the fuck. Which out. which one was that uh, with? Uh, is it the one with Hayden Christensen? Uh, no. Oh. Yeah, John Leguizamo, Hayden Christensen. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. That one played very well with the uh, with the fear of the dark. That if you, the lights went out, you got taken into the wherever. Who knows where we where you went? Uh, my only problem with that film was they cast Hayden Christensen. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would honestly say, and uh, and I don't I, I don't know. I think everybody's going to agree with me with that we we really we covered underwater a couple of weeks ago, and there was a lot of Kristen Stewart hate in, the, in that one, both in the chat and just how the and I think who was was N A N A had the quote that. Uh, Chris Stewart. Uh, Chris, I, I said that Chris Stewart uh, needed. You could learn a lot from other people about acting. And then so I think it was NANA said, Chris Stewart. Chris Stewart could learn a lot of. Or no, Chris Stewart's cutout, cardboard cutout, could teach Chris Stewart a lot about acting. <laughs> and honestly, I think I, Hayden Christensen is the most wooden actor I've ever met. The dude is just like you know, what was the what was the joke? Danger, danger! My shitty acting is ruining Saga. <laughs> uh, Jessica, Jessica tells me it's called Vanishing on Seventh Street. Yeah, that there was it. Okay, it, yeah. Vanishing, the oh, Vanishing on Seventh Street. Yep. <clears throat> I guess that felt that, like a it, Twilight Zone episode. Or it something. did. Yeah, it did. Yep. Um, so I guess that brings us to our call to action. Unless we did it while I was not here. Mm. No, we have not. Yeah. So, are you afraid of the dark? Let us know at weekendhorror at gmail.com or in the comments or side chat, and we'll be happy to discuss it with you. Awesome, awesome. So on to our next one, which is me. Yeah, that's you. Yes. <laughs> hey, you, you, you're, you get to mess up on the script. I get to mess up, too. Sure. <laughs> you're so mean. No, I'm being serious. All right, for our next film. Oh, man. Uh, released. January 26, 1996, we have the sci-fi horror film Screamers. 
So, directed by Christian Duguay and screenplay by Dan O'Bannon and Miguel Tejada Flores, based on Second Variety by legendary author Philip K. Dick, starring Peter Weller, Robocop, Roy Dupuis, Jennifer Rubin, and Andy Lauer. The film, for those who haven't seen it, it the premise is pretty much it's a sci fi film in the future, uh, <laughs> wars between mining colonies. Now, this particular planet, there are two competing factions within this war and they're currently in a, in a kind of like peace treaty stalemate and they're the two camps are divided by this kind of open terrain which have been deployed like these living you can consider them like living mines but they're robots and they're full of blades and they they run around in the ground and anybody they target they jump out and they kill people and they're called screamers because they scream as they come out and they and they kill you how's that go again and what I don't know. I don't know how they do it. So, but, um, and then of course, uh, one day what the, the enemy camp loses the signal. So Peter Weller decides, you know, we got to go check on these guys, see what the hell's going on. Cause we, you know, cause the situation we're in. So we, they go to check on them and of course engage with the screamers and find out they are evolving into something much, much terrible. So moaners, uh, uh, what what, they're evolving into moaners. Moners, (laughs) (laughs) Moners, <laughs> <laughs> slightly <laughs> less, slightly less loud and annoying. That's the uh, sequel. <laughs> screamers, moaners, screamers too. Moaners. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. The moaning. I don't know, vivid entertainment. There you go. I, I, <laughs> vivid entertainment. It's not the porn parody. <laughs> exactly. Oh, we we put it out there. And someone's gonna make it. Someone's now. gonna do it. It's out on the internet. Yeah, now. it's probably already made as we speak. It right probably now. is. Yeah. <laughs> it's in production. <laughs> what is, what is uh, I just got recommended a new trailer. What the? Fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I always thought this one felt like it could be in the the same universe as Starship Troopers for yeah. some reason. You know? <laughs> yep. I mean, it, it always oh, definitely. I mean, I don't. It, did they come out around the same time? I can't remember. But. Mm, uh, prob- yeah, I think so. Troopers yeah. came out the next year. Yeah, ninety six, ninety seven. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I guess maybe it was the costume design or something that made it made it feel that way. But I do love a good dystopian future uh, type movie. And my takeaway was I love these crazy zombie robot kids in that movie. Oh, the oh, Davids. Yeah. Oh my God. Those Can I creepy. come with you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. No was always no. the answer to that question. Jessica G says, Screamers is actually the name of J.L. Warren's first ghost series. <laughs> I appreciate the inspiration there, Jessica G. I really, really do. <laughs> oh, PhD, PhD Tony says, Moaners, a YouTube panel show where people moan about actors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see what you did there. Oh, man. And, uh, oh, and hello to Jinju who has joined us. Who says Jessica is 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 it all of jail screams in a montage? <laughs> <laughs> and seek truth, speak truth. Good to see you, sir. Awesome. Well, I'm t- um I, I I really really did dig this film. I thought uh, I I dug the concept, and of course I'm a big Peter Weller fan. Ever since RoboCop, I think the yeah. Peter Weller is badass. Mm-hmm. Anything he shows up in, I'm I'm gonna jump on. And I think my dad actually brought this home. On v- oh, was it? I think it was on VHS. This seems like a dad movie. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, really. I mean, in all honesty, because it's you know it's uh, it's dystopian. My father always liked to watch dystopian type stuff. 
I would say that um, this one kind of falls in the same camp as as Darkness Falls. Not as uh, in the way it, there were some missteps there. the The primary issue was the oh the one thing that kept me involved, and I don't know about the rest of you, but it was the fact that I'm a Peter Weller fan. If I had not been a Peter Weller fan, the biggest issue with the, with this was that the biggest issue that there were not enough. I don't. I really couldn't connect with any of the characters, and that may have been a writing. Or an acting thing, but I don't think it was, I I, don't, I wouldn't say it's an acting thing, but I think it was definitely a writing. It just did. I couldn't connect with anybody, so I wasn't really rooting for anybody, especially at the end, like because the big reveal at the end, um, like the the twist, and he, you know he gets in the ship and he finally escapes. And he's like, ah, he's off the planet. Oh, but the teddy bear is a screamer too. And <laughs> spoiler I alert, like, I was kind of like, well, this oh, come on, man. how long ago was this fucking? 96 this came out the same year as scream Come oh on, man dude. so i was kind of like eh I, I don't know about you guys but i just i couldn't invest myself it was just for me it was just too difficult to follow in a lot of places i see i agree because first of all it, it you take so much world building especially when you think of like dystopian yeah any kind of dystopian thing there's so much world building because there's so much that has to be implied. Because even take a movie like, say, like Blade Runner, usually in a dystopian in a dystopian world, there's usually some kind of apocalyptic event that causes the entire world to change. Even though they don't necessarily have to go into like a lot of detail into what maybe that event was, mm-hmm. something changed from today to Blade Runner, right? And it was a yeah. drastic change. And so a lot of a lot of these films that kind of touch on this concept. It can get hard to follow. It can get really lost. I think Starship Troopers does a better job in the way that it's delivered. It's delivered as an info yes. ad, as a, and it's not uh, as important to the story. And it's it's really not. You got these people. They live in a fascist society, and they create a war to fight bugs. Right. And that's the main theme of Starship Troopers versus like this, where well, what what happened between the two mining colonies, and what why how long have they been there for? What how the, it's, it's just. It's a lot of backstory that you have to fill. Yeah, and it was a real pro smoking movie. Yeah, all the eighty, really all was. those late eighties, mm. early nineties films were all pro smoking. It's like man, I got to get well, as many when, cigarettes when, in here as possible. Well, when it's written into your plot that you have to smoke in order to stay alive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I can't believe we have to smoke. The, I can't believe we have to put uh, smoke this shit to neutralize the shit in our in our lungs. I was like, we have to put the shit in our lungs to neutralize the shit in our lungs. Well, like, okay. So, it and was, then there were alarms, like there's an alarm that goes off. Everybody light your reds. So they're gonna pull off special cigarettes to to neutralize the radiation that they're breathing. <laughs> well, it's, so it was like that uh, Ghost of Mars, right? Natasha Instruments had to be jacked up <laughs> on whatever those pills were to fight off the, the evil spirits. Hmm? So really? if you if you watch really? Yeah. Didn't you see? She took the thing and it made the, the thing not want to to inhabit her. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you were I thought you were you were riffing on the ghost thing. No, no, no. I was about to riff. <laughs> no, I was no, about no, to no, riff no, on the ghost was. thing. <laughs> oh, I saw, okay. I saw it coming. I headed off in the past. They're, they're gonna give you a free pass on that one. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Now, but other than that, uh, other than that, you know, there there were a few cliches in there and some spotty writing here. There, I mean, adapting books is difficult enough as it is, especially the works of Philip K. Dick. Although there have been a bunch of them. We, oh my got, God, uh, Jesus Christ! Minority when, Report, Blade Runner, Total Recall, The Adjustment, Screamers, Paycheck, Imposter. Holy shit! This guy has more film adaptations than a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
God, yeah, but total, think, total Recall. Uh, that was um, we can uh, we can remember it for you secondhand. Was Which, that the name of the name of uh, Phil K. Dick's book? Uh, for. Screamers? For recall, oh, for Total yeah. Recall, I think I so. I thought it was Total Recall, wasn't it? I, yeah. So, like, like Screamers was was uh, was based on Second Variety. Yeah. Uh, which which pretty much focused on 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 machines evolving into humans. Um, and then of course when Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, Sheep which this. was adapted into Blade Runner. Yeah. And then uh, I'm pretty sure it was We Can Remember It for You Secondhand, or maybe off a little bit on that title was was Total Recall. Um, but you know, Philip K. Dick. I mean, and of course we cannot forget. The issue between him and James Cameron. Mm, I forgot it. What is it? Um, <laughs> oh, Lloyd, you remember it? Uh, the Terminator thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and that was uh, he. He's well. He borrowed that idea from uh, what Philip K. Dick and who was the other author that the guy uh, credit for writing Terminator <laughs> was another author, wasn't there? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember this one. Uh, I don't know. I know that after the lawsuit, Ellison, was it? Uh, J- was it? J- was it? Uh, uh, we can remember it for you wholesale. Wholesale, that was yeah. it. Yeah, we can remember it for you wholesale. Um, let me see. There was the because I remember I remember the issue with Philip K. Dick, and there was a big there was a big <laughs> dust up over that, and that's how they got his name attached to the credits. Um, was after the lawsuit was that you know it was uh, based on the works of uh, based on the work of Philip, uh, Philip K. Dick and uh, uh, Harmon Ellison, Harlan Ellison, Har- Harlan right. Harlan Ellison, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was a that's uh, right, yeah, yeah. Harlan Ellison, that was a um, t- um, uh, one of the what was that? The Outer Limits, yeah, Outer Limits, yeah, on Outer Limits, yeah. That he borrowed, and it's kind of. It, I mean, he he has a point. Kind of has a little bit of a, he has a gripe, a little bit bit of a gripe. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. That's why his name is in the credits now. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I want my royalties, damn it. I'm still waiting on Avatar 2, so we'll see. (laughs) Let's see. Uh, Yeah, Harlan Ellison stated that he loved the movie, was blown away by it, but he believed his screenplay was based on a short story and episode of The Outer Limits he'd written titled Soldier. And he threatened to sue. That's uh, that is so hardcore. So Ellison, um, so Harlan Ellison uh, loves the film, and is just like, "This is amazing. This is incredible." I wrote it. Me, so I'm suing. He wants a piece of the pie. <laughs> well, look. Here's the thing. I mean, if you have a legitimate complaint, and he does, uh, you know, might as well get paid for it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah so I'm pretty sure. It, I'm pretty sure if it was a bad film, he probably wouldn't care. But he'd be like, "I don't know." Had nothing to do with my movie. I didn't write that. <laughs> <laughs> so Harlan Ellison, Harlan Ellison, yes, and yep. then of course, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the guy was prol- the Philip K. Dick is pro- is prolific. I love his work. I love the things that he has done, and but I mean, come on, you look at the depth. You look at the the depth of what he's of what he's writing about. You're looking at uh, it's like. Uh, I think I think it takes this particular to mind. Ridley Scott, I think, did really well with Blade Runner. I yep. love Blade Runner. Not so much a fan of the sequel, but I did like the original. Um, that stuff's hard. To, that stuff, stuff's hard to fucking do, especially when you don't really have the budget. Well, because I think screenwriters- dystopian, <coughs> excuse me, dystopian style filmmaking is very difficult to do if it's not done right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, streamers didn't shop with a budget of twenty mil and only box office like five point seven. Ooh, mm. yeah, jeez. 
<clears throat> yeah, I don't know anybody remember, who saw this in theaters. That's what I was going to say. I remember this was big on video, but not so much in theaters. That's probably the first place I saw it was video, too. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. See, I remember watching it, but I don't remember watching it. You know, I know that I've seen this movie, but I don't remember anything about it other than Peter Weller was in it. I think it was probably the probably the claim to fame because there weren't a bunch of there weren't really any I think any other major actors in this one, but um, I enjoyed it. Uh, and there was well, a Jennifer sequel. Rubin was in it. I don't know how yeah. major that is, but it's pretty major if you're a Nightmare fan. That's true. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Rubin, yes, uh, she was in Dream Warriors. That's yep. right. She was. Um, that the junkie chick with the, the chick with the, the chick with the blades. Yep. Yeah. In my dreams, I'm a badass. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I, I, I dig it. Uh, it's kind of it's like it's one of my guilt. It's one of the guilty pleasures um, of that. I just wish that it had it been a little bit more. It wasn't exactly true to the book because you can see the inspiration there, but they kind of went in a really different way. Um, and I wish that it had uh, been a little bit more focused on the writing could have made it so much better. But nonetheless, it's a decent film, much, much better than Darkness Falls. People who dig sci-fi horror would definitely dig on this one. Um, and it leads me to, to ask, I want to ask the audience, because I know we have, a, we have a lot of people from the debunking community here and a lot of science lovers um, in this who've probably read the works of Philip K. Dick. I'm very curious. And I'll ask you guys as well. What is your favorite <clears throat> Philip K. Dick adaptation? Your favorite film? That has been adapted from Philip K. Dick's work. Uh, I'll ask the chat and you guys, Eugene, what's your favorite? Uh, it would have to be a toss up between either Blade Runner or Total Recall. Nice. And Lloyd, the Terminator. No, <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> did he have something to do with that or not? I can't remember. No, I, th- I think I, I may have mixed it up. I think it was it was Harlan Ellison. Yeah, that was on. Yeah, the okay, yeah. okay. Off I of thought, uh, off, yeah. Wait, he, he probably wrote something like that too. Probably, right. yeah. So which um, one do you... I, I would I would probably have to go with this one. Uh, this is uh, this was a fun movie. Uh, it gets a little convoluted at some points, but I do like I do like a lot of it. So I would have to say this one. Awesome, okay, streamers. cool. And Johnny, uh, Blade Runner. It's no competition. Blade Runner. Yeah. My favorite. Uh, my favorite is actually Total Recall. Uh, just because I think I, Arnold Schwarzenegger was fucking awesome in that movie. He was pretty good. <laughs> he, was he was pretty good. Now. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Think, make, he did make that film though. Yes, he did, and I think he he hit that stride. He was he was. There was a period of time where Arnold just hit his stride, where the accent was solid, but we could we could totally understand him. He was like he, he wasn't like bodybuilder Jack, but he was jacked, you know. But because it was he was focusing on movies more than he was on bodybuilding, and so I really really dug that uh, Predator. Um, Total Recall, Commando. He was still he was pretty. Moving. He was still pretty bodybuilder jacked, and well, he wasn't competing. Well, no, he didn't need to compete anymore. He was making his money as a movie star. He was making but, way more money. Doing, yeah, yeah, making more money doing movies. So he was. He, I mean, yeah, so but still part of on his acting. Part of it. But he's well, still jacked. He had to be still, because yeah. part of his part of the draw was the fact that he was jacked. <laughs> fucking twins, man. It's like the <laughs> the peaceful dude who doesn't laugh. <laughs> so it's so great. But yeah, oh, I the love third rule. I love Zorigo. So many good one liners in that one. Get your ass to Maz, shit like that. So <laughs> yeah. and of course, of course, sticking sticking the rod up his nose and pulling the fucking so bad. <laughs> and so many fake, so many fake Arnold Schwarzenegger heads. 
I mean, there's so many fake uh, Schwarzenegger heads. Yep. I wonder if he has them all. What if he keeps them? <laughs> He's got to keep the fake Schwarzenegger heads up on, up on the wall. That would be so funny. That'd be weird. You walk Just into Schwarzenegger's house. Just like Tom Savini just always has a, like a head laying around. Yeah. 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 You never Did know. You... If you have a fake head, it could get you in a movie. Yeah. That's Did you true. guys see him get his vaccine today? I didn't. Oh, Schwartz, uh, Schwarzenegger? Yeah, he got his vaccine. Oh, I and, did uh, not know that. Yeah, go look it up. He he videoed it. Of course, he live streamed it or something, whatever. But at the end, he said, "Get your vaccine if you want to live." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm go sold. look it up. It's real. True. <laughs> I'm sold. Oh man. Oh, let's take a look at this one. Uh, what the heck is going on in the live chat right now? Jessica's letting you have it, man. She is. She is just dumping on me. Uh, Phew, you're so lucky you got out out that hello. Jail Worm's going to get one of his ghost buddies to haunt you. Oh, that's fantastic. And, <laughs> uh, those books are certainly a product of their time from Clive Wells. Uh, speak through the ads. Great to get to know the people we chat to almost every day. Such an awesome idea from Alien from Alien X, probably about his uh, interview ideas. Um, let's see. Uh, just because you unless their name is Hellraiser 3. <laughs> how long has it been how long See, that's exactly been? what i'm telling you you're talking about well uh the we have to wait till the next big thing for it to take over the 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 ghost thing but there's case in point right there so not only is the ghost thing not going away it's running alongside of the hellraiser 3 thing so it's never going away jl Lloyd, you might as well terror. you might I as well get a shirt that says i'm jl i love hellraiser 3 ghosts are real and I'm a theist. Oh, God. <laughs> Lloyd, I made the terrible mistake of d actually defending Hellraiser 3 at one point. Oh. And <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. I'm done. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm fucking done. I'm done. I'm out. I'm oh, out. man. That could have been. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a bad mistake. You have killed, you have killed Eugene. The, the CD <laughs> Cinnabite. <laughs> <laughs> the CD Cinnabite. Uh, need I say anymore? Yeah. Well, you could go. You could have gone with the bartender. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has turned against me. <laughs> yeah, I can't help you on this corner, one, man. I'm like, I cannot help you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh. Okay. That's, well, okay. Well, I was. I def, I made. I made the mistake of defending Hellraiser three because one, it's got Terry Farrell in it, and Terry Farrell is the hotness. Terry Farrell is Jed Zia Dax. She will always be Jed Zia Dax. And, you know, just Terry Farrell. And two, I enjoyed how much Bradley, uh, Doug Bradley seemed to have playing that, uh, doing the role in that film. He seemed like he was having a lot of fun. Yeah. You're right. I will so, admit that. Yeah. And I will always cherish watching an actor really love what he's doing. I mean, you could tell, you could see it in his face, the whole, in the church scene. When he's like, you know, pulling the the uh, the pins out of That's his head. That's exactly his head. the scene I thought of. Yeah, exactly. You, you can say, yeah. dude, he is eating that shit up. Yeah, and I fucking right. love it. Okay, it's like watching Robert England in uh, you know Nightmare One, Two, Three. He was he was loving that shit, and when you see that, it just it, it you engage, and that was the big thing. And uh, it's the only two points I can defend Hellraiser Three on: Doug Bradley having fun and Terry Farrell. Is, Terry Farrell is hot as fuck. If you think with Doug Bradley that after the second one, because I do, I love the second one. After the second one, it's like, okay, I like where these movies are going. I like what we're doing. I'm going to go unleash and have a lot of fun. And then. And then we get what we got. Why are we in World War II all of a sudden? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 
<laughs> oh, let me see here. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, what do we got next? Three. Thank you, Jessica. Jessica, Secret Speech Room says, I've seen the ghost thing. Not literally mentioned a few times recently. What happened? I've, have I missed something? Oh, Secret Speech Room is not no, on the no, show. No, no, JL. JL, let, uh, let him figure it out. Okay, I'm aware. So, uh, Jessica, uh, PSG Tony, Jessica, yeah. So, Hellraiser 3 gets love, but Blade Runner 2049 didn't work. Ah, good point. It, I, I also, I agree with Jessica. I don't think 2049 worked. I think uh, those ideas may have worked earlier, but they just didn't work now. Maybe I didn't really like Ryan Gosling in the role. I thought it was, and it felt like, fa- it felt like shoehorn fan service bringing Harrison Ford back. Yep. Um, that was you, just, that, you that's just me. You didn't like, Bla- I love Blade Runner 2049. I thought the movie was fantastic. It, I thought it was just it. I, it felt like a cash grab. It didn't feel soulless like the Pet Cemetery remake or other stuff like that. But it just felt like ah, do we need this? I I like the technical achievement because the cinematography in that movie is like fucking amazing. Oh and, no doubt. I mean, and, yeah. I'm, so I mean, I, I I watch films for a lot of the technical stuff, and I just I I love I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. Let's see Jessica here. says, uh, so in oh, other yeah. words, Blade Runner 2049 is shit, but Hellraiser 3 is awesome because of boobs. Jail Warren 2021. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll accept that. I'll, <laughs> I'll accept that because of boobs. I got no problem. I got no problem in saying that. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, I see the Commander Darklight and Jessica are explaining it. To uh, are explaining to seek truth, speak truth. So they are explaining what the joke is, what's going on. Uh, and the George says Blade Runner, ten out of ten, was excellent. I love that movie. Oh man, fucking Harrison Ford was on point. Oh God, Rutger Hauer. We just, you know, Rutger Hauer. We uh, we remembered him last episode because we were talking about the original Hitcher, and because um, it would have been his seventy seventh birthday uh, just a little uh, a little mm-hmm. bit ago. So we miss Rutger Hauer and his you know crazy eyes. Fucking Roy Batty's amazing. Um, hey, uh, PH Tony says, hang on, did someone just say Commando was a good film? I uh, didn't say Commando was a good film. I said Commando was one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's movies. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Oh, That's all I, I said. I love Commando because it knows exactly what it is. Yep. When a guy takes a helicopter missile launcher, puts it on your shoulder, figures out a way to fire it, and kills yeah. people with it, yep. I'll watch that every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Commando. Man. That's a great action <laughs> flick. Like, yeah, exactly. so yeah, exactly. Commandos is is uh, it's just gratuitous action. That's all it is, and it doesn't yes. try to be anything other than that. I don't know why there's dialogue in that movie. <laughs> uh, it was definitely it was man on fire with with no commitment to acting and no drama whatsoever. Please don't bother just. my friend. He's dead tired. <laughs> Let out some steam. <laughs> Let out some steam, Bennett. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Oh, so great. Uh, who else? What else we got here? Charlie Wells says, end of days. <laughs> end of days. Yes, of course. Um, PhD Tony says, has JL been checked for a recent stroke? I haven't stroked out. Whoa. Uh, see, true, speak true. Bo- boobies and horror films go hand in hand. Yes, they, yes, they do. do. They do. Both hands. Whoa. <laughs> Oh, man, oh, man. And, of course, Dave N says uh, he didn't think much of Minority Report. Um, I know some people did. People, I think people were pretty divided on that. You either loved it or you hated it. I don't so, like Tom Cruise, so there you go. Everyone's got their things. All right. So if anybody else, if, you, uh, if you're picking up the show and it goes live on our podcast series and you're not here for the live, um, hit us up. Let us know. What is your favorite adaptation of a Philip K. Dick uh, book in uh, either the comments below or hit us up, weekendhorror at gmail.com. Uh, Eugene. You got our next one. Take us into slasher territory because this is a special one. 
Oh yes, this is a this is a fun film. <laughs> Released January 29th, 1987, we have Nail Gun Massacre, directed by Bill Leslie, starring Ron Queen, Bo Leland, Michelle Meyer, and Rocky Patterson. Oh boy. I love <laughs> <Mr. Nail Guns. laughs> and I, okay, now I, before you go on the Eugene, I'm going to interrupt just very, very slightly. All right. I understand that Johnny brought this up to me, and we have, and because of Lloyd's very special connection to this film, I yes, I realized that the film was shot in it was a 1985 release, but it was not released in the United States in 1985. The release that we have there is the United States release because it was released in Spain first, then it was released in Belgium, then it was released in the U.S., then it had its DVD release in 2004. I am aware of this. I chose the U.S. release because all of our films have the U.S. release, either a direct-to-video or to theater or to whatever. I go with the U.S. release because it's when Americans could first get their hands on them. Uh, I know... Because piss on everybody else. Take from that what you will... Okay, but that's the that's the one I went. So I, I am I am I am assuaging Johnny because I know he's he's over there like it didn't fucking release in eighty seven. No, so. I I was just gonna let it slide. Just when I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> you gave me some shit before we went live. That's before they don't have to know that part. <laughs> Look, the kids don't need to see mommy and daddy arguing. JL, this is true. <laughs> so Eugene, Eugene, give us give us the plot summary. <laughs> I love it because it's simple, it's straightforward. You got a guy in a camo suit and a helmet with an air nail gun, and he goes around and kills people. And then yeah. says cheesy one liners. I love the tagline. I love the tagline to this one. Which one? There was like a hundred. <laughs> well, <laughs> so many. <laughs> so many. <laughs> the tagline that was on the poster: uh, "It's cheaper than a chainsaw." <laughs> cheaper than a chainsaw. They're letting you know. Yuck! Yuck! <laughs> I get to see oh, no, for I, one special. I dug, I dug the a very penetrating story <laughs> was like yes yeah uh, and the dude is I, the, the dude is just like up on the bodies like he's just like conquered a fucking mountain he's just like yeah <laughs> selfie time and his <laughs> his legs are like uh out of proportion long oh my God, they so are. it's uh it's a weird how. angle <laughs> oh it's meant to be like the camera is like up at him yeah you know like uh, like at that angle in order to in order to uh to get but yeah yeah oh we'll God, say that, that. we'll that's a, that's we'll just say that's what it was. That's some fucking Rob Leefield shit right there, man. <laughs> uh, I've heard any comic fans out there. Well, Terry, I, you guys know that uh, director Terry Lofton was a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And um, he had, the, the way I met Terry Lofton is uh, years ago, I had a, a uh, DVD store online when DVD was a big thing, you know. And... I was selling all kinds of stuff, and I had uh, bought these copies of Nailgun Massacre on VHS from a distributor. And Terry called me up out of the blue. He found my number. I didn't know him before this at all. He called me up, and he goes, are you bootlegging my movie? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, what? I I was literally in a drive-thru at a jack-in-the-box when he called. And I was like, "Uh, my mind is being blown right now, so can you hang on just a second? And I got my food, and... He thought that uh, that I was bootlegging this movie. Apparently, the distributor that I bought it from was bootlegging his movie. Uh-oh. And uh, we became very, very good friends. Um, Terry, Terry is from Seagoville, Texas. Uh, you guys know where Seagoville is? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's between yeah. uh, the middle and nowhere, correct? 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> east, going east, east, uh, east of Dallas, I guess you'd say. But uh, that's where Terry was from, and that's where they made this movie was in Seagoville, Texas. And we had uh, Joe Bob Briggs at the show one year, and he he did. Were you there when when he did the panel? He he did a panel for Nailgun Massacre. Oh, I I wasn't there, but I did hear about it. Okay. This was direct from Joe Bob. He calls it the best horror movie or the best movie ever made in Seagoville, Texas. (laughs) (laughs) So this movie, this movie's crazy. Um, It's not a good movie at all. It's a so bad. It's good movie. Uh, It's a movie. You need to be somewhat inebriated to, to really enjoy, <laughs> um, but, it, but it is fun. And, um, you know, I knew Terry Lofton for, uh, you know, a long time and, uh, he, he had some health problems and he was going to pass away. And he asked me if I wanted to buy the copyright to the movie. So I did. And we've, we've, uh, distributed and, you know, uh, overseas in England, we've got two Blu-ray releases. We've licensed nice. t-shirts and merchandise with it. So, uh, it, 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 I just wanted to keep it alive for Terry, you know, so that's kind of why I ended up saying, sure, I'll own Nail Gun Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yes. That's and badass. This is, and this is so, I'm oh, sorry. This is so wild because I selected the movies we were going to, we were going to talk about, um, early, way, way early on. So like weeks, at, weeks in advance, I selected the four films we were going to talk about and then I sent those over to, uh, to Lloyd, it's like this is this is what we're good with this is what we've got, and um, you know you, you got plenty of lead time. Good, you're good to go. I had not written the script yet, and I actually hadn't seen Nailgun Massacre yet. I knew of it, but I hadn't seen it. So then I start doing my research, go to write the script, go like this, and start breaking everything down. And holy shit, there's the connection. I had no idea. And then of course when uh, when we were doing the breakdown, and then Lloyd's like, "You you do know I own this movie, right?" And I'm like, "I had no fucking clue. I had no idea whatsoever." We've had so many happy accidents like that on this show, where either the the, the show will come out thematically linked, or somebody will have some connection, something we had no idea of, and that just makes it all the more. That just goes to show how amazing the horror community is, and the people that are in it, and the you know, everyone from the fans to the filmmakers. Yeah, I mean that just goes to show how amazing. I love being a part of this community. So, but yes, um, this film is is so is so. Ama- okay, okay. I'm sorry. Okay, I read a comment. Like- <laughs> oh, what did you? What, oh, shit, what did you I read a comment uh, in the live chat. Clive Wells says Jail had the script ghost written. <laughs> <laughs> You know, someone else, someone else pulled that joke. Someone else pulled that joke on me. He pulled it. Uh, they they tried to set it up. They're like, "Hey, have you ever considered writing a book?" And I, I saw it in the chat, and uh, and I wanted to answer them because I actually have written a, a horror novella. And they actually write, "Have you ever considered writing a book?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll answer that question." And then, uh, like, too, too much time went by. Too much chat went by. I didn't get a chance to answer him. And then he came back with a punchline because I could ghostwrite it for you. Oh, it's like oh god. So yes, I I got that before. Sorry, someone beat you to it, Clive. Well, I think it was Daryl M. It's, it's fine. It, I it. I saw it today for the first time, Clive. It works. <laughs> um, oh lord, you see now you totally throw me off my fucking. Game. Sorry, so, I, oh, I yes. couldn't help it. I'm sorry. So the, uh, I really the big reason why I chose this movie was because a few weeks ago we I like to introduce our listeners to you know little known subgenres. So like a few weeks ago we got to introduce them to uh, to melt films. 
Um, when we did Street Trash and films that are like that, like you know, like the Blob remake and stuff like that. And the this one was this one is definitely splatterpunk. Oh yeah. And that's Johnny's cue. Oh shit, I'm sorry, I'm reading the side chat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for the next I'm waiting for the next good ones. Not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of splatterpunk, are we catering to the splatterpunk with these types of films? Uh what are some other splatterpunk films? There we go. <laughs> I apologize. I also was, I was reading. I, I, I was reading. Charles does because Charles does says Lloyd forces everyone to watch Nailgun, regardless of how many times he's made you watch it. If you say no, he turns it off, but then acts out the entire movie and won't let you leave. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. <laughs> hey, Charles, you gotta admit it was uh, it was an experience, right? And you need to experience it all the time. <laughs> this movie's bad, y'all. And that, that's what I love about it. It's bad. That's what I love about Nelga Massacre. It's terrible. It is terrible. I mean, there are people that just kind of show up and get killed and murdered, and they have no nothing to do with the story or the plot or anything. It's just all, random people walking around and end up dead. It's terrible. Yeah, I, I love it when you get it's like the two girls that just walk up randomly, never seen them before. It's like it's a yeah. two for one special. <laughs> and it looks like they're like deep in the woods walking around or something, and then they emerge behind a farmhouse. I I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and and I mean that's people people who listen to the show know that I love bad movies. I do. I love bad movies. I recently watched Samurai Cop again for the second time. Nice. <laughs> Isn't there a sequel like, to Samurai Cop? Samurai Cop Two? Isn't that coming out? Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm going to watch it this weekend. Yeah. And so I I love these type of movies because it's they're so much fun. You can get into it. They're great. They're great to watch with a group of friends. If you get a group of friends and get a couple of beers, a couple of drinks or something, some popcorn, and then you can just sit and just laugh at it the entire time. Because I mean it's the the, the main the main bad guy is just camo suit, motorcycle helmet, nail gun. There you and go. nail guns don't even work like that. Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, sometimes <laughs> sometimes the, the person in the suit is a girl too, and sometimes it's a guy. That's, yeah. what make, that's what makes it cool. Yeah. I like I like that for for the movement effects because you, uh, you know I you know, obviously female females can move differently. Yeah, but I like it. It offers a, a bit of, of especially if they're trained in movement, their fluidity makes it a little bit more scarier, and I dig that. Yeah, there's so, a lot uh, of Johnny. Johnny, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say there's a lot of Ed Wood moments in this movie that yeah. you know they filmed it and then they said, you know, there was like a major problem and they just went. All right, that's it. That's a wrap. And then they go to the next scene. You know, there's just no, you know, they're just, you know, of all the mistakes in the movie, there's tons of them, but uh, that's what makes it fun. And uh, to answer Johnny's question, examples of Splatterpunk would be films like uh, Meatball Machine, uh, Martyrs, uh, uh, Midnight Meat Train, um, Broken, uh, Chrome Skull. Um, actually, I got, I got to catch Chrome Skull 2 uh, at TFW. When it yep. uh, was up there, that that was a fun time. That was a brutal fucking movie. Fuck. Yeah. The knife through the side of the girl's head, and then mm. he grabs and he's like, ah, just crank it up. That was hard fucking core. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rob Hall did those effects. The director did the effects, too. And they're just, they're amazing in that Oh, movie. He, that, that shit was intense. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Very oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wicked scene. You, and I did not see it coming, <clears> because 
you know, you know, Chrome Skull's huge fucking dude. He's got the the metal the metal skull, the Chrome Skull. You know, he's got the skull like, and the uh, the mask is like. At this point in the sequel, it was like burned to his face or like adhered to his face because they used uh, this like acidic adhesive in the first film and it like glued his face and fucked his shit all up. Anyway, so he catches this one girl and she's she's like on the other side of the room and he takes this big ass fucking knife, this wicked looking knife, and just hums it at her like ha! And totally. It wouldn't work. The knife is totally off balance. The, I mean, sure. it's, it's just, but he hums it like a fucking like shuriken and catches her. It doesn't catch her like dead, like in, in between the eyes, catches her in the side of her head. Yeah. So it's like in the side of her cheek and then coming out the back here. So she's still well alive. And then he comes up and he grabs her and starts like just, uh, just working that shit. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Rob's amazing. And he, in, um, I don't know if you know this, but he was inspired to make that movie when he was worked. He was working on the special effects for the Terminator TV show. And, uh, so that's nice. kind of where that Chrome skull oh, mask comes from. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Let's see. Ed, uh, uh, what did PNC Tony said? Just said, um, keep doing this. Here's this movie. What movies, what movie like this movie do you like? I don't know what films are like this movie. Cause I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, and the George says, kind of sounds like death proofish uh, type. Uh, uh, kind of. Yeah, it's. I Grindhouse. I think Grindhouse films are probably a little bit better quality. That's saying something. <laughs> than the Nail Gun Massacre. But it's. This is the thing. If you like cheesy bad movies like Ed Wood quality, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not even talking about movies like The Room, but Mano's Hands of Fate, stuff like that. You'll uh, like the, like the the Beast of Yucca Flats and shit like that. Hey, the, the, the little yeah. touch of Satan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Oh, there's there's a scene well, where they open a gate and the gate hits the camera and they just leave it in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, might or, or as well. the, the the blood the blood on Satan's claw. I remember us talking about that one. Yeah, <laughs> just so oh, just, so just one movie. of those. But it's a the thing is this. It's a fun film. I love how it seems like because he tries to have these clever one-liners like Freddy Cougar does, but it's like he couldn't choose which one-liners. He'll say like six <laughs> one-liners for each kill, <laughs> which doesn't make it a one-liner anymore. No. Yeah, now it's, it's a monologue. It's, it's totally it is, it is completely it's completely and totally unrelated. But yeah, you know, I, I I watched this movie because uh we were going through the Christmas season and I we covered Santa's sleigh with Bill Goldberg as Santa. And his entire script, uh, you imagine Bill Goldberg gets the script. The entire fucking script was one-liners. That's it. That's all the man had, except for like one little scene when he's like beefing it out with the grandpa. Because they have history. So he's like, I've got beef and we're going to talk about it and shit. But other than that, it's just kill, one-liner, kill, one-liner, kill, one-liner, kill, one-liner. And (laughs) that's all it was, the entire script. And I got hallmarks of this. It's like, it is amazing that this trope has survived. Where the where it's just like bam and deliver something deliver something hilarious. <laughs> um, Charles does says Hell Driver Hell Driver is good as well, definitely. And basically just watch uh, Yoshihiro Nishimura movies. Mm. Would we? Uh, how about Ichi the Killer? Uh, Takashi Miike Takashi Miike's work. Uh, I think uh, Ichi the Killer would would classify as splatterpunk. Yeah, yeah. Because that movie yeah. was okay. Oh, that movie was insane. Uh, let's see. Basically, um. Basically, yeah, just watch uh, Yoshihiro Nishimura movies. Second place goes to Your Next. I don't know. Oh, anything from Troma? Yeah. Um, no. No? 
No that trauma. Was Jessica Jason. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't agree with that. As is there, being Spider-Punk? Let's see. Uh, Charles does his best Spider-Punk would come from Japan. Uh, Ichi Tokyo Gore Police. Yeah, he said Ichi the Killer as well. So yeah, I agree with that. And then of course, and then uh, I, there's apparently another conversation going on in there. So anybody, and then see true speakers it brings up Maniac Cop. We actually talked about Maniac Cop one time. Yeah, and he said that movie was amazing. Um, cops, bubes, and murder. There you go. There you go. Straightforward. <laughs> Straightforward. What else? What else are we missing? It, uh, that's really all you need. Yeah. You know, yep. and you can even take the cops out and just do boobs and murder. just boobs and murder. Yeah. That's that's just the main thing. Yep. <laughs> On this one. <laughs> and Commander Darkless says, Jessica, I think you just about described almost every cheesy horror movie ever. I agree. That's yes, true. Cops who don't know how to do their job. Teenage girls who don't know how to keep their tops on. And murder. Mm-hmm. And straight murder. And just murder. <laughs> yeah, pretty much what it comes down to. Yep. But nonetheless, um, anybody who has not seen this uh, film and is, and is a fan of splattery fucking goodness and just just a good guilty time like i said joe bob briggs covered it and this is the kind of film that that joe bob really really loves so like midnight like midnight splatter films um the things that you would see at underground theaters in the fucking 80s you know shit yeah. like that yeah we know uh, that would be after midnight um this is this is why the film is amazing it caters to uh, it is definitely a hallmark back to a simpler time in horror before we you know well, we say, you know, we, we have, we've coined the kind of time nowadays kind of like intelligent horror. We've seen the rise of intelligent horror with like Midsummer and Hereditary and Don't Breathe and, you know, really, really smart horror films. But, you know, if you really, really dig the old school stuff, like Return, like you should like Return of the Living Dead. If you like that kind of energy, then definitely shoot for uh, shoot for uh, Nailgun Massacre. Fucking amazing. It is. It's just, <laughs> it, like, it is just it's a fun film. I, I do like the '80s feel that it has. It's like you know, okay, slash. This is the slasher movies. It's kind of like tor- maybe towards the end of the height of slasher movies, but slasher mm-hmm. movies are still a big thing in the theaters uh, at this point. And it's just like, hey, you know what? A weapon we haven't seen before, a nail gun. Let's have some fun with it. Yeah, it's true. Let's see. Oh, hey, Tony Regime, just saw you in there. Uh, he used to have the poster for Maniac Cop. That's pretty awesome. That's 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 cool. Um, PSG Tony, has no one else seen your next? Yes, Tony, I've yeah. seen your next. Uh, I actually screened it and, uh, when I was working for Cinelinks. Um, I enjoyed that movie. Uh, I was a little bit of a letdown because I had the anticipation from the trailer. It was going to be something different than it was, but still a fun slasher flick. You know, I, I was like, uh, it's okay. It's an insurance scam and, you know, whatever. I was like, eh, I thought there was going to be a, a bit deep because the trailer was fucking amazing. And I was like, oh, this is going to be sick. Like three psychos dressed as animals and they're hunting humans. This could be really cool. And I was like, oh, and then it kind of it was a, you know, a whatever plot. Yeah. But nonetheless, Sharni Vincent kicked serious fucking yeah, ass in that movie. movie. Oh, yeah. She jams that fucking blender at the top of it. Off of his head. <laughs> Blenders don't like, work oh. like that, by the way. Blenders don't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's one hell of a blender. If you get a blender that can go through skull and brain. It was a ninja. (laughs) (laughs) Bought it off the infomercial. There you go. (laughs) The high grade one. It's the ninja with the special Ginsu blades. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so fucking sweet. Oh, yes. But all right. I mean, we went, we talked about some of our favorite 80 splatter flicks. Uh, I like to ask the audience and I like to ask uh, the panel that we have here. 
What are some of your favorite 80s splatter flicks? Mm. Oh. Mm. Well, I'll go ahead and chime in. Um, yeah, go, yeah, go yeah. for it. I love The Prowler. I think that's a great splattery and it's real splattery because there's even like an exploding shotgun, you know, head yeah. explosion, you know? So that's a real splattery movie. Lots of good Savini effects in that. Anything with Savini effects, I I'm a sucker for man. Mm. Oh yeah. Love a good, love a good exploding head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> while, while it is, while it is not splatter punk, my, my favorite a splash splatter film my favorite of all time would have to be Maniac. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh, it's a good one. That Love one was Maniac. hard fucking core. And of course, you know, we made reference to it earlier. Um, just you know, because Savini had the head of himself. So, oh, hey, you got a spare head. We need to blow it up. Hey, I guess you're 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 a fucking boyfriend. And I, that that whole shot, the way it was set up with the you know, with the fake head, and then and then uh, he fucking Joe just jumps up on the fucking car <clears throat> and just fires that that shotgun, which uh, which was legit. Um, through the windshield into it. I thought that was brilliant. Absolutely inspired. So, and not to mention just a hardcore fucking movie. Yeah. Savini had it right because he always said that uh, the best way to do an effect was to actually do it. So if you're going to blow up a head, actually blow up a head. You know what I'm saying? Shoot it with a shotgun and blow it up. That gives you the best, most realistic look. And it will always look good. Right. No matter in 4K, 6K, 8K, 16K, it will always look good. What about you, Johnny? Uh, I don't know. You guys said I couldn't use trauma films. I was going to go with a Toxic Avenger, but... Actually, know. I was going to go talk to Avenger, so by all means, go for it. See, talk, yeah. <laughs> uh, just because you know the, you know, I like you know those trauma films. You know they're rebooting that. Why? Well, why? Why? Oh, dude, man! Like, I just I just got word on the wire that. Uh, give me one second. I, I haven't. Uh, uh, toxic. <clears throat> dang it! Not toxic. I saw that too, you know. JL. Yeah, the Toxic Avenger. It, it uh, doesn't need it. No, it was fine the way it was. Okay, okay, check this out. It was, it's not just that, but it's being rebooted by Legendary. I didn't matter who was being <laughs> quiet. It doesn't wow, matter. everyone got quiet on that one. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I don't. You got to tell them who's going to star though, JL. Oh, uh, Peter Dinklage has, has, has set the star in it. Still I, I, listen, I like I like Peter Dinklage, I really do, and I'm pretty sure he'll do a fantastic job. But what makes the Toxic Avenger the classic is the '80s style gore effects, where you're yes. the guy's at the gym and he has the weight bar and then drops the weight on that guy's head and crushes it. <laughs> like the of the '80s style effects, that's what makes that. that movie. Yeah. I'm. Uh... Uh, okay, well, I mean, you just so, you just ruined my uh, evening, Jay. I was having such a good time. Kaufman, Kaufman, and hers, uh, and Michael hers are both serving as producers on the film. Unless so Kaufman have, is directing it. No, it's actually being directed by Macon Blair. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not gonna be sold on it until like somebody I know watches it and says it's good. Okay, I won't be. On it. <laughs> just. it could be interesting. I don't know. It could be, but it's coming. Oh, let's see what the uh, let's see what the chat has to say. So um, the effects in the burning were awesome. Yes, Tony Regine. Uh, the burning. Oh man, we've had so many conversations about the burning in Friday the Thirteenth and who beat you know you know you know getting beat to the punch. Um, 
But the burning was amazing. It, I don't think it gets as much credit as it should get. It was a really good film. Did bad timing. That was it. It was just yeah. poor timing is the one that affected that one. Yeah. Uh, Jessica says, Class of Nukem High. Awesome fucking movie. Yep. Fantastic. Uh, Tony Regime says, Scanners had the best exploding head. Yeah. I, I yeah. think it did. Uh, yeah, and it happened within the first, what, 20 minutes of the film? Yep. <laughs> so there you go. And of course, the the very effective Michael Ironside, just like yep. yeah, looks like he's dropping it. Looks like he needs some more fiber in his diet. <laughs> uh, Charles does uh, maniac. I wouldn't call exactly splatter. It's definitely exploitation, more serial sex horror. That's getting that's getting pretty hard. We're getting um, nitty gritty, I, I think. Uh, yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, it was it was splatter to me, but maybe not as much as other films. Uh, but I can agree with it. It's definitely yeah. an exploitation flick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, see true, speak true. Toolbox murders. Huh? I'm just talking out loud, to be honest. <laughs> but the, the toolbox murders was fantastic. It was really, really good. Uh, Toby Hooper, I think. That, yeah. So, and Jessica says, I would think JL would agree with Glass of Newcomb High. Every girl is 90% naked. Why wouldn't I? Come on. I mean, this is true. Every girl in that movie is 90% naked. I run a horror podcast. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> you think it's for the you think it's for the plot? No, it's for the views. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh man. Oh, but definitely if you have a favorite eighties splatter flick, let us know in the comments or at weekendhorror at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you have to say. We love interacting with you guys. And Alex is still extremely lonely. He's you know, lonely right now, just sitting in his little house all by himself. Lonely. I'm so, so lonely. I won't sing anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have one movie left. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And it is. I don't. Why are we doing this one? It's not. It's not Christmas time anymore. Because this is when it came out. I um, know, but damn yeah, it. But but there are Christmas movies that come out in November. So that's November true. to January is pretty much Christmas season, and uh, it's literally fair. January 30th. That's fair. Uh, to All a Good Night is a 1980 American slasher film directed by David Hess and starring uh, Jennifer Runyon. Oh, Jesus. So it's, a, it's, a, oh, it's so bad. This movie is so bad. <laughs> this movie is so bad. So there's a Christmas vacation at a finishing school for girls. Uh, students okay. kill. Okay, check one. Check one. Girls. Finishing school for girls. So we know they're uptight, which means they're ready to get naked. Check two. <laughs> Check two. <laughs> and then somebody gets killed. Check three. Check three. <laughs> Jackpot. Seven, seven, seven. Bar, bar, bar. Ting, 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 ting. We're winning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's basically what happens. Uh, there's uh, somebody dies. And then 150 bazillion years later, the ghosts come back to kill some people. It's not ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god leave it uh, uh, uh. Charles does says splatter a lot of times interweaves body horror so I tend to sway towards reanimator as an 80s fave oh, mm, yeah okay. I like Very a reanimator cool. awesome yeah reanimator was fantastic yeah <laughs> join, what, what was that like join a sideshow <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh but to all good night Christmas horror man yeah. I dig it I love I love Christmas horror. Uh, this is a slasher, also. Yep. And I, you know, I I kind of like this movie though. Um, I know it's not the best movie in the world, but it is fun. It it, it has that classic slasher tone. Uh, it's kind of a revenge slasher, mm -hmm. kind of like Prom Night and House on Sorority Rose. So oh, yes. there's a reason mm -hmm. that somebody is killing all these people. So I I like this movie a lot, and it's directed by David Hess. Uh, Krug from Last House on the Left, 
And um, you got to love it when Krug directs a, a slasher flick. So, and I like the I like the soundtrack on this one too. It's really wonky and eighties and electronicy, and mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> I, I agree. It's 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 a fun movie to watch. I mean that that's ex- exactly what it is. It has some nice, some fun kills. Uh, where it was a the guy like they're sitting there like having sex, and the guy gets a crossbow like from the like the back of his head and stuff, and then cuts the girl's <laughs> head off, cuts her head off. Um, and it has some just some great like just great practical effect, eighty style. It's just it's fun. And they had the, the 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 classic tropes as well. It had like Ralph, the creepy groundskeeper, right? You know, warning everybody. It was like, oh, you know, I, I, it has everything. Like, not to mention the twist at the end. Now, I know there's probably some people who have not seen this. I I don't know if I should spoil. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! <laughs> With the earmuffs. <laughs> earmuffs. It's a forty-one-year-old spoiler. It, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's forty. It's. it's I mean, yeah. uh, what was it? It's a little older than I am. So, uh, yes. Uh, the the two killers was was pretty it was pretty slick because I mean that I mean, that spoils it's, it's enough tro- it's, it, oh, and it's a trope today yeah I mean, I mean it's still used today but it was so cool to see that pop up you know just see that used in, in, in a fucking 1980 film and a film as old as I am and I, I love that that's there they, uh, very very cool and it kind of comes out of nowhere because you I, I I was watching I was caught up in the kind of the moment I didn't actually see it coming because there wasn't I don't I think they shot it rather well where they kind of hit it. That's what she said. Yeah, I didn't see it coming. I I didn't. So, uh uh-huh, go ahead. No, uh, because then as as soon as you realize it, then it made me think of, like, Scream. I was like, huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Another spoiler alert. So, (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't seen Scream. Uh, the, uh, Jessica G says, uh, uh, I can't make jail feel like he's the only one getting dunked on. I appreciate that, Jessica G. Yeah, you're but an here's amazing, a, you're an amazing patron. But here's the thing, Jessica G, I know I can't sing, I'll dunk on myself for that one. <laughs> and just says he gets upset and ghosts start appearing. <laughs> oh, now I can conjure them. This is it. The, the, the myth grows, the legend yep. grows. Um, the reason I want to bring this up, and even though it's late, it's it's all yeah, we're almost in February. I dug this film because you know it's a it's a late arrival to the Christmas. It really is a fun film. It it really is. And I wanted to take a look at the legacy of the Killer Santa, Um, because Killer Santas are amazing. I I've always said ever (laughs) since us from you know uh, from Silent Night Deadly Night is the one that really really you know you talk about there's your fucking exploitation flick as well. But, you know, when you have your Santa, you know, in like the first 10 minutes is already raping people and shooting people execution style. And I didn't even realize that wasn't the that wasn't the earliest evil Santa. I think the earliest evil Santa I found was in the original Tales from the Crypt movie. Hmm. So if anybody's so if anybody's familiar with Tales from the Crypt, the series, there was <laughs> an, an episode uh, where there was a killer Santa. It was played by Larry Drake, uh, Dr. Giggles fame. Yes. I know mm-hmm. I, Lloyd remembers. I know that. What, what, oh my why, god! What, why do I have you people here? I swear. I love. <laughs> All right, see you guys. I'm I going home. Larry Drake, Bye. That's why I'm here. Okay. Yes. Go ahead, Lloyd. I just love. I love Larry Drake and everything he does. I mean, the guy. He was a. He was a gem, man. And uh, mm-hmm. we lost him way too soon. I way think. too he, early. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, we had him at Texas Frightmare Weekend one year, and he was amazing. Just a super, super nice dude. Oh, I would but, love to see that. 
That's awesome. He, he was very nice, but uh, the Santa Claus that he played, fantastic. And um, I also love him in Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, so cool. You know, I, I, it, you just reminded me that it is totally, it's totally off, it's totally off point. But the, I remember getting to catch Angus Scrim uh, at his last one. Yep. So I remember I did a hallmark to that. But man, Larry Drake, Larry Drake was, I loved him in Dr. Giggles. I thought he was hilarious. And, you know, just vicious now. I, th- I just thought he was so into that role. I that. But it goes all the way back to the original uh, Tales from the Crypt film, the, the Killer Santa. And then, of course, you've got, like, Silent Night, Deadly Night. You've got To All the Good Night. And then, of course, um, oh, Lord, there was another one that I wanted to bring up. Uh, the Silent Night, Deadly Night series ran. I mean, that was uh, the first one. It was the second one with Ricky. Garbage Day. And Garbage then, Day. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the the uh, the current read, the 2012 Re? I don't know. That was a continuation. There, there was a there was a bunch of them though. Yeah, yeah. But I do you feel idea. like the do you feel like the uh, the evil Santa kind of took place of Krampus and then Krampus people figured that out and said oh, let's do that one instead. I think it's a hallmark to it. I think that uh, because you know the I, the the German folklore of of, of Krampus and Krampus uh, and Krampus knocked. Um, was not as widespread. Now that now that horror, you know, we we ballooned so much out. Now we can have cramp. We have a fucking Krampus movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like think three of them. I think. So I think the idea of the anti Santa uh, was was uh, was an awesome idea to begin with, especially in 1979. <clears throat> and I think of of turning it on its head and introducing that concept to American audiences was pretty. I would say it was almost taboo at the time, because if you think about it, you know, with the image that we try to sell of Santa, Santa is welcoming and inviting, and mm-hmm. you, you put your kids on his lap. And it's supposed to be a wholesome thing. I remember the, and I know that I know that Lloyd remembers uh, the uproar over Silent Night, Deadly Night when yeah. that came out and the ban that it was hit with. Mothers lost their minds. They were protesting, and you can still find some of those articles archived online about. Well, mothers, uh, oh, you're ruining it for our kids. Well, maybe don't take your kids to see that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's, what's that? Uh, there was a short where it was like Samuel Jackson was sitting there at a, like a gas station, something like that, and someone <laughs> yes. was like, "You, you make horrible movies. They're not family friendly." He's like, "Well, I don't make movies for kids and stuff like yeah. that." Well, you shouldn't cuss and do stuff like that in your films. But but I don't I, I it, don't take your kids to go see them. But that yeah. that's how that's how I feel. You about. let your little you let your kid watch Django. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that shit was funny. And and it, it should be said it should be stated that uh, Silent Night Deadly Night was so was so extreme, and it it put people it put mothers in such an uproar over the idea of this evil Santa. Uh, the Santa that rapes and murders, and then of course goes on a killing spree because you know it's the little kid all grown up, and you know God, that kid was a beast. Um, was so bad that the film was pulled. And what movie did it make way for? Because <laughs> Silent Night Deadly Night was on track to be an amazing film, but there was another horror film that released at the same time that saw mm. its success. I think because Silent Night Deadly Night was pulled from theaters, and that was A Nightmare on Elm Street. Elm Street, yeah, yeah. Mm. So interesting history, you know, who knows, but, uh, there's your, uh, I think nightmare on Elm street was going to be what it was regardless. You think so? Yeah. It's just one of those movies that when you watch it, you know, like they've got something that was kind of special. Yeah. They had that, 
it has that X factor that you yeah. just can't explain, but it's like, yeah, it's got it. Right. The X factor is Robert Englund. Well, so the, he's definitely part of it, but I think it's just the the movie itself is. I mean, that the idea of that film and you know where where uh, where Wes Craven got the idea for that film. Uh, everything about it, everything about it, just says this is going to be a movie that people are going to talk about for decades. Yes, this is true. Yeah, it is. It's it's one of those movies because there's so many. There's like thousands of decisions you have to make throughout the course of making a film. Some big, some small, and if you get most of them right, you'll have a good movie. But when you get basically all of, all them, of them right, that's yeah. when you get something special. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, looking at I'm looking at I'm looking at the chat. Jessica Jesus, The Conjuring Three, <laughs> Jail Activity. Yep. Uh, let me see here. Uh, they're coming up with names. The Exorcism of Jail Warren. Yep. Um, VHS four. Jared Normal activity. <laughs> JL Jared Normal. Um, Watership Down. The Wall into the Oh, the Wall into the War. I've got to remember that scene. Seek truth, speak truth. Uh, what was it? Uh, you. I was. Oh, hey, was it? So someone says I a PhD Tony. One of our one of our awesome patrons says, "I think we should be more understanding of Jail falling down the paranormal rabbit hole." His surname is Warren. Thanks. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh shit! Uh, fucking uh, Commander Darkly would put it out. Would just like to put it out there that the best Christmas horror was Home Alone. That shit was terrifying. <laughs> oh no, Home Alone is a solid movie for kids. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you just, just sit there, sit there and think about Saul and watch Home Alone. You're like, yeah. Saul, Saul for children. Yeah. <laughs> so Macaulay Culkin uh, did say that he can't. He grew up to become the the uh, to Jigsaw. Oh, Jig- yeah. Jigsaw. Jigsaw. Yeah. See, Clive Wells, uh, Commander Darklight. The the Star Wars holiday special was a nightmare. Yeah, uh, I that it was. Yeah, <laughs> that it was, Captain. I, I've seen uh, it all the way through once, and I'll never be able to watch it again. I can imagine. I, it, it took a team of people for us to get through. It. <laughs> so, given, given, so given that, I also wanted I wanted to look at the, the the idea of the killer Santa, and I and I love the concept. The concept it was like the early version of Krampus, the anti Santa Claus, yeah, the Santa Claus that you cannot trust. And of course, it's it's, a, it's like a trap because you you think it's one thing and it turns into something else, and obviously it's something that you're supposed to trust, you realize you shouldn't have. Um, so the audience feels it, there's almost a sense of betrayal. When right when seeing it, it's kind of like ah, and I still think it affects people to this day because the idea of villainizing the icon of Christmas, yep, a time of giving, a time of family, a time you know it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a happy occasion, yep, um, and then turning it into what turning it into a horror film. I think even today because I mean, this is an old trope, Christmas as a horror time, as as is as, as a horror film is is a very old trope, but. Even today in 2021, I think if to a lot of people out there, it still feels very taboo. And I think that's probably why they went with it for To All a Good Night, because you got see, this comes out like in 1980. Mm-hmm. So the slasher genre is on the rise. And it's like, let's put a Santa Claus in there. Mm-hmm. And it's and we, we already got successful low budget slashers that have become blown become big. So let's go ahead, let's take a I don't know, let's take a hundred thousand dollars. And we already got a villain because we just make it Santa Claus, and then we can follow the roadmap that's been guided to create a slasher movie, and you get to all the good night. Right. And the beauty part about it is, is that you know they can even say that it well, it's really not Santa Claus; it's just somebody else. But we're you know in a Santa Claus suit, so that's kind of cool too. True. Yeah. Yes, you can. You, it you, gives you them can. the out. It gives them the out in case they get that negative backlash. 
it's just well, it's just somebody. Well, see, the, even they're in because it's just somebody pretending to be Santa Claus, just right. somebody wearing the suit. But then, how do you? But then, how does the kid know if the kid if the kid shouldn't watch this? But then, how do they know what Santas are fake and what Santas are not? Jessica G is stirring the pot. She is. I'm ignoring it. I I have to that that's a whole other conversation. I am not falling for that friggin' bait, Jessica. <laughs> that, that, that is a, that is a trap. Is a tra- okay, okay. People when they listen to the audio will not say, you know, the spin in the chair. It's a trap. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, but man, oh man, I still th- I do think that people really do. Um, Take offense to it. Uh, I. It's not like you see Silent Night and I get in a lot of play. It's still. It's even to us horror fans. It still feels like a feels like a very, a kind of in the in the genre kind of. You know, the fans of horror will will find this film love, but no one will seek this film out. Right. And no one will go and look for it. And they still even 2012 Silent Night, which was kind of a remake uh, continuation. I don't 100 percent know. It's killed us. Santa had a fucking flamethrower in that one. <laughs> but uh, go Santa. And then the, well, there was a brutal fucking kill. Oh god, the wood chipper one. I was um, gonna say the wood chipper puts her feet first. Fucking hell, or, dude. Well, I'm sorry, not feet first. He already took off one of her legs. Yeah, he foot already first. Had <laughs> yeah, foot first. Yeah. Lloyd, uh, thought thoughts on the continuation? I didn't know if the series needed to be continued, but that was—I mean—and <clears throat> Malcolm McDowell. I mean, <laughs> another oh one-liner. Every every line was a one-liner. Yeah, yeah. I don't. You don't know. I don't know that. Um, I think so. I mean, that's my favorite time of Christmas is is queuing up all the Christmas holiday horror movies. I love that. And it, you know, if there's something new that we can add to the playlist, I'm all for it. Make some more Christmas horror slashers, horror movies. I don't care. Uh, I'll watch them all. I like. I did like a recent entry was uh, a Christmas horror story, which was an anthology film. I like that uh, better than the Krampus movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, and with uh, with uh, Will, with William Shatner as the kind of framing device as the radio host. Yeah, and I thought that that was cool. And of course, we get a fucking Santa versus Krampus fight in the end. <laughs> And it was yeah. badass. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. I I don't know. I, I feel bad that, that that movie didn't get as much attention as Krampus did. And I but I think it's I think it's catching on. I think more people are seeing that one. Absolutely. I think I think the uh it only the Krampus only got more attention because of Trick or Treat. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean I, uh, I think Trick or Treat was I mean it's a Halloween staple at our house. I know a lot of people out there they watch it every year. Um but yeah, I, I honestly think a Christmas horror story was way was way better. Um, a, a nice little entry uh, was the anthology Holidays, which was a, mm-hmm. a a group of horror. It was another anthology, but it was a short film for every holiday of the year. Yes, hmm. so I thought that one that one was kind of it had one in there directed by Kevin Smith, which that was pretty cool. It did, it did. Yeah. Uh, Sir Chasm would say, Elf with Will Ferrell. Freaking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> oh, man. That being said, all these uh, killer Santas. I got something on my hat. Anyway, uh, so this is, our call, this is our call to the audience. Who is your favorite killer Santa? Let us know in the side chat. Comments down below or weekendhorror at gmail.com. I honestly have to say... Goldberg. Garbage day. He just shoots the car and the car blows up. Yeah. 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 Oh my Ricky was so amazing in that in that movie. Just 
And I mean, I don't know how fucking strong you have to be to impale somebody with an umbrella and hold them up with one arm. It's not about how strong you would have to be. It's how strong the umbrella would have to be. This is true. That's some industrial grade fucking steel on that goddamn umbrella. (laughs) <laughs> he goes on that fucking killing spree <laughs> and then of course uh you know puts a you know dons out and santa outfit goes after the nun from the first film um so oh man uh, ricky was that dude was unintentionally hilarious and he was just amazing he fucking made that movie he did the dude was so intense with everything he delivered yes oh, <laughs> oh fucking hysterical Damn it. Oh, man. But yeah, definitely let us know. What is your favorite Killer Santa? Could be all the way back to 1979's original the Tales from the Crypt movie. Um, or it could be uh, from the series, uh, Larry Drake's version of it. Or, of course, any of the, the Silent Night, Deadly Night. It's one, two, and I think the sixth one. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if there's one that we missed, uh, definitely let us know in the comments below. Or hit us up, weekendhorror at gmail.com. Goldberg. Yes, oh. Bill Goldberg, Santa Slay. There yeah, you go. Santa Slay. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I gotta sorry, go. It's a toss up, up on me. <laughs> oh, did you say again? Sorry about that. Uh, it's a toss up for. Oh, oh tell the fuck oh, off. <laughs> sorry about that, Lloyd. Continue. <laughs> now I was just gonna say it's a toss up. Uh, Larry Drake, Santa Claus from the Tales from the Crypt series, mm-hmm. and the original Billy from Silent Night. Yes, <laughs> the original Billy. Oh my God, that it's. That- it's so sad all the crap that kid goes through in that oh, movie. Oh, he's fucking brutal, and, and he <laughs> and he fights. Like, that kid's got PTSD hardcore, and he oh, yeah. fights it so hard throughout the whole until he eventually just fucking snaps. Yeah, and you're just you're kind of glad. You're like, yeah, go ahead. We yeah. understand. Pop off a few <laughs> rounds, just kill some people, man. whatever. <laughs> Fuck them up. <laughs> you deserve the, oh, it. But, <laughs> but um, it was it was Lillian Chauvin who was the nun in that, right? Think so. Uh, the original. Uh, I think I'd in the original. Yeah, I'd have to. Yeah, look mother. It she was the mother superior. That's right. She was mother superior. Yeah. She was atrocious. An evil bitch, man. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. <coughs> my wife grew up Catholic, and she always tells me that's pretty accurate. Too. Yeah, there's. Oh, yeah, damn. yeah. All the all the the film adaptations of Catholicism and like catechisms or uh, Catholic school or Mother Superior, yeah, yeah, those are those are about right. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Oh, I just remember Robert Wilson was a fucking beast in that movie. Wasn't he though? Damn, that dude was a hoss. <laughs> and then of course, I mean, it, I, it showed. It was like it was like it was little kid Billy, and he always goes through all the, all the fucking torment of the of the of the the. The Catholic orphanage and Mother Superior being the absolute monster that she was, and then you know it jumps forward again. You know he's out in the world, and it, it, the dude was just fuck yeah. That that was that's how you make a fucking bad guy. That was that was intense. I love Silent Night Deadly Night. I you know watch it every I watch it every year around that time. Um, yeah, he ended up playing uh-huh. uh, uh, on Santa Barbara. Uh, he was he did like a seven year stint on that TV uh, like the late night soap opera Santa Barbara. And something I think he was in Knott's Landing and and some other stuff like that. Just because he was like this dashingly gorgeous dude, you know. <laughs> oh, he was, yeah, okay, yeah, he was. Him on the beach, running in slow motion, Baywatch style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, someone has someone's brought up uh, Gremlins. Mm. Oh yeah, it's a good, it's a good yeah. Christmas one. Hell yeah. yes. Yeah, I just wish they would have uh, filmed the scene with the Gremlins playing soccer with the mom's head. 
<laughs> I always remember the 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 old lady in the chair, in the uh, the stair chair. Yeah, yeah. And they fucked with it, and it shot her out the window like a fucking, <laughs> like a fucking ski. <laughs> that was that was inspired. That, yeah. that shit was brilliant. I don't know how big those stairs were. She was on that thing for a long fucking time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just fired her out the window. Yep. Like, damn. Yep. Those gremlins. Oh. Those rascally gremlins. Oh, man. So we got some. We got a birthday. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we want to wish a very happy birthday to horror legend. Uh, we've spoken of him already. Joe Bob Riggs was born January 27th, 1953. Um, we'd also like to take a moment to remember legendary director Toby Hooper, uh, 43 to 2017. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace, good sir. Oh, man. Toby Hooper. Best memory of Toby Hooper. What do we got? Lloyd. Hmm. Char- Charles tells this one best, but there were a lot of stories. Toby was just, he was kind of a hippie. And uh, he... he we went out to eat. So we had a, a screening of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And we took Toby and a bunch of people from Texas Chainsaw Massacre to a steakhouse for dinner while the movie was playing. And then after we ate, we went right back. But he had gone into the bathroom, and Charles tells us best because it happened to Charles. But he had gone in the bathroom, and someone had puked in the bathroom. And he comes out and he tells Charles, man, you got to see this. This is the grossest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. It is crazy, man. And he, he pulls Charles back into that bathroom and Charles was like, oh, he said it was the most disgusting puke he'd ever seen in his life. But Toby was so amazed with it. You know, he just wanted everybody to see it. He wanted to show everybody. He was like a kid, man. He he was just, you know, he was fun, and um, you can see where his imagination, you know, stories like that. Uh, I've got other stories about Toby, but it'd take all night. That's awesome. That's awesome. My uh, first, experience, uh, first experience with his work was Texas Chainsaw Massacre for me. Yep. I left my jaw on the floor when I first saw it. Uh, just wild. Uh, Eugene. The first one I actually saw was Poltergeist. And I know it was kind of ghost-directed by Steven Spielberg. On that one, but it was directed I, by Steven Spielberg. We know the yeah, reason why. By, it, it, I like what you did there. I like how you slipped in ghost directed, by the way. <laughs> Get that in a little bit. But I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but Lloyd, that worked on so many different levels. Up. But Lloyd, it's awesome that you bring the story up because just you talking about the story and me thinking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I was like, I could totally picture him being like, just see like a girl on a meat hooker on a in a meat locker, like on a hook, and just being like, "You need to see this. This is amazing." Like I can totally picture him saying that now. Well, he's a Texan, so he had a he had a still had a little bit of a Texas accent, you know, and he he kind of talked like this. Ah, oh, god, goddamn, Toby Hooper, you know, god, son of a bitch, you know, and he, you got to come see this puke. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> But you, oh. you guys have to you have to let Charles tell you the story. It's much better coming from Charles. Fan friggin' testing. Oh, we may, may maybe we'll get Charles on the show sometime. You you should. He would love to, I'm sure. Charles, hit us up, weekendhorror at gmail.com. We yes. will we will exchange notes. 
Yeah, and he has he has more. There's so many, but to, there's so many great stories about Toby. But uh, it, it just you and you, you loved him more and more the more you saw from him because he was just a, a genuine dude. Nice. Man, I wish I had a chance to meet him. I really do. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so fortunate that we did because we had him at our show. He did a few more shows that year, and then he just kind of wasn't interested in doing in doing shows anymore. And um, that was it, you know. And then he he passed away, as we all know. I think it was mentioned um, mentioned earlier. Let me see. Yes, the, uh, I think it was uh, Seek True Speech was mentioned the Toolbox Murders, which is one uh, which was an, an awesome film. I don't think gets an, as much credit as, as it should. It's one of those ones that's kind of known in the horror in the horror community. Um, but I think it, it, obviously Texas Chainsaw Massacre is what put him on the map. Yeah, I mean, it's got the it's got a freaking franchise that's still going on again. They're about to come out with another uh, another film, uh, another Leatherface film. So, but I think uh, he's got several. Well, you know, his work with the uh, uh, I think the Mangler, uh, Toolbox Murders, and uh, Mortuary was pretty good. God, mm-hmm. I mean, check out his filmography; he's got a lot of really good stuff. I mean, people pretty much associate his name with Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Poltergeist. But man, he did so much, and he's such an yeah. such a love. Uh, you can see his love for the genre and his love for film in general. In there, like uh, like Lloyd was saying, he, he, I I didn't know he was he was like a big kid. You could, I mean, it makes sense now, mm-hmm. just you seeing how much he loved uh, working everything. You know, it's just really really awesome. So yeah, we wanted to remember uh, Toby. Um, uh, I don't know how old he would have been. Uh, uh, he was born in forty three. So I think he would have been 78. 77, 78. 77, seventy eight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Gone to gone way too soon. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like he he passed away a lot longer ago than than 2017. It really does. Yeah, it 3 years like 3 years ago. Long ago. Yeah. yeah it, it feel it feels like it's like right around the corner like it just happened. Yeah. Mhm. Man, oh man, oh man. But uh we have come to the to the fun part of the show that I know mm. everybody fucking loves and that is the trivia portion of the show and i know everybody loves the trivia portion so um the trivia question i will ask it in here a second but i want to let everybody know the prize the prize that i decided on because i i heard that people were you know they, uh, we should get more variety but i don't know what other variety i can get at the moment so it hasn't been created yet but the winner of this trivia will get the first copy of the first edition i guess the first edition of our second Limited edition weekend horror official t-shirt. The artwork is still being created as we speak. You will get one of these, probably be the first one, you know, uh, the first one to get one, but you will get one for answering this trivia question correctly. So the trivia question for tonight, is everybody ready? Do I have, uh, is everybody in the chat ready? <laughs> Daryl M. Daryl M says the answer is ghost. He wins. <laughs> How did you know? Clive Wells is phantom. Close. <laughs> the, the answer was spook. Spook. Um, yeah. Specter. Uh, <laughs> oh so, yeah, I'm thinking everybody. I think everybody in the chat is ready for the trivia trivia question. Here it is. So listen up, everybody. <clears throat> Darkness Falls starred Emma Caulfield, but she is best known as what character on what legendary TV series? So I'll ask it again. Darkness Falls starred Emma Caulfield, but she is best known as what character? On what legendary TV series? First correct answer in the chat wins the second 
Weekend Horror Limited Edition <clears throat> t-shirt, which is still being created right now, but we will ship it directly to you. Let us know. Who knows the answer? Uh, I know the answer. I know you know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I know, too. Because it's written, it's written in the fucking script. <laughs> JL, you know I don't read this script. <laughs> There's a script? <laughs> <laughs> This is we we are a professional podcast. What do you think this is a fucking Kevin Smith film? Exactly. This is exactly what all this right. is. First correct answer in the chat. I know we're all. I know uh, most of us are watching, but come on. I'll read it again. One uh, Darkness Falls starred Emma Caulfield, but she is best known as what character on what legendary TV series? I think PhD Tony knows it as well, but PhD Tony is already one like. Four of these things, yeah. or three of these things. Yeah, he knows so, it. So, uh, uh, Commander Dark Light, you're halfway there. I need both. What character on what TV series? We got one. Yep, got half of it. You're halfway there, Commander Dark Light. Bring it. There it is. Done. Yes. Emma Caulfield was Anya on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. My, my personal favorite, favorite TV series of all time. So, yes, well done. Commander Dark Light, thank you very much. Daryl M. General Hospital. What the? F- <laughs> <laughs> oh, JR from Dallas. That's a good J- one. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, congrats, Commander Dark Light. Sir uh, says I'm keeping my mouth shut. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, congrats, Commander Dark Light, for winning uh, the upcoming limited edition Weekend Horror. Uh, shirt. I think the artwork is going to be amazing on it, so you will get the first of that when we actually get it made. Um, it should be here pretty soon. I know our, our work is currently being developed as we speak. Um, so, uh, I, Commander Darklight, I'm pretty sure I have your shipping details, but send them to me again. Just, you just email them to us or, or hit me up in Discord. Uh, I think we're friends on there. Just hit me up there, and I'll make sure that I have my stuff updated so we can ship it to you the minute we get it ready to go. Daryl M, IMDB, she was... IMDb is there. You can Google these. Yeah, yeah, you can. There, there's no rule against that. Yeah, we don't have we don't have standards. <laughs> this is not the fucking. We're trying S- to give out stuff. Wait. Look, guys, this is not the SATs, okay? <laughs> so you can uh, cheat. You can cheat. Yes. Can, yes. yes. <laughs> it's not hurt. cheating if we allow you to do it. <laughs> you guys are like, please cheat. Somebody <laughs> cheat. <laughs> Somebody answer the question. (laughs) Here, take my money. Fuck. (laughs) Shut up and take my money. Oh, oh man. Well, thank you very much. Yes, I love doing the trivia questions. I know people look forward to them. I see PSG Tony hanging back there. He's one. I think he's won three, and he gave his third one away, which is cool because he's always first one on there. He's like, oh, I know this one, and he doesn't want to steal them all. Uh, Daryl says, I need IMDb because I know shit. (laughs) (laughs) IMDb is for the week. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Awesome. Oh, awesome. Congratulations again, Commander Dark Light. Very fun fact Sarah Michelle Gellar just turned 40. Yeah, she's had a birthday. Yeah. Gosh. I'm older than fucking Buffy. God damn it. Of course you're older than Buffy. Shut up, JL. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same age as Buffy. Oh, <sighs> uh, we don't have Alex here because he's the baby of the group. So. He is. is true. He's like 12 years old. Yeah, we have to get his mother to sign a permission slip to let him be on the show every week. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, this has been truly epic. Thank you, Lloyd, for joining us for this look back at some truly epic horror. Is there anything coming up for you that you'd like to let everyone know about? Uh, yeah, well, Texas Frightmare Weekend. Um, that is, uh, what is it, April 29th through May 2nd, I believe. i got to look at it. But you can go to TexasFrightmareWeekend.com and get all the info on that. And uh, we had Charles Doze on. Charles is our, our co-host on uh, Frightmare HQ. Uh, you can go to FrightmareHQ.com and check that out. And we've, we've got shows coming up. Uh, we've got one coming up tomorrow night. We do the year in horror, actually. And uh, we kind of co- cover a different year. We'll start with a decade. We're in 2001 right now. So that's tomorrow night. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I guess we, we just opened the store too, frightmarecollectibles.com. Uh, and, uh, we have a physical store and an online store. We've got a lot of, uh, art, uh, by some great artists like, uh, Joe, uh, Garcia and Danny Del Carroll. Plus we've got a lot of, uh, autograph stuff, uh, from just about everybody that's been at our show in the past and, uh, action figures and all kinds of fun stuff. So thanks for letting me plug that. Absolutely. Yes, and definitely. I, and, and I cannot wait with the with the whole uh, log alert that has put stuff on lockdown. Unfortunately, there was no 2020 Texas Frightmare Weekend, and it just there was it not. broke my heart. But we are now we have rounded we we have we have come we're 2021, and Texas Frightmare Weekend is coming back, and I cannot wait. Uh, all of us at Weekend Horror are going to be out there, most likely either Friday or Saturday, probably Saturday. Yeah, like I said, uh, definitely Saturday. Yeah, definitely Saturday. We're going to be out there just you know because you know we're horror fanatics, and I got to get some more horror shit for my office. I need more stuff. I'm in a position. Where I, can I can still see too much it. blue. I can legitimately buy it, and I can write it off as a business expense. <laughs> yes, I can. There you go. There you go. <clears throat> Call it research, right? It's research, and, it, and, it's, and it's office supplies. <laughs> so just don't tell the IRS. Um, yeah. No, no, no. Fun. Tell the IRS because that's how you get the tax write-off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to tell them. Yeah. Oh, so freaking cool. Awesome. Well, listen, it's it's been a blast. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. It was it really was an honor. I thank you for reaching out, and I had a great time, guys. Thank you, Lloyd. Oh yeah, thank man. you very much. Thank you, thank you. Well, that brings another episode of Weekend Horror to a close. Thank you all so much for listening, and we truly hope you enjoyed the show. As always, you can visit us at weekendhorror.net, where you can find links to all of our episodes, our bios, our merch store at Teespring, and of course, enter your email for a permanent entry to win a mystery horror shirt every month. For more horror entertainment, be sure to check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Followers get our daily splatter, a bit of horror info every day, right to your feed. You never know what you might learn about your favorite horror films. And... We really hope you enjoy the new live format, and we love to get your feedback. Subscribe to our channel and smash that bell like a zombie head for our latest from the show. And lastly, if you truly love what we do here, and if you would like and are able to support our production, you can through our PayPal and our Patreon. We have Patreon tiers as low as $1, with bonus and exclusive content and horror films every month. Links to everything, including our Discord community, where you can find film recommendations, trailer, trivia game, and even interact directly with us are below. But we know these are trying times, and things are extremely tight. As always, simply liking and sharing this show to your local horror community is always the absolute best way to help us continue to grow. We appreciate 
each and every one of you for your continued listenership. I'm Eugene. I'm JL. I'm Johnny O. We'll see you next week. And as always, stay scared.